Welcome to the Football Podcast with me, Paul O'Neill, and me, Paul Larkin, with fun, frolics, and football. Right, Paul? Right, Paul.
just a reminder there, Snoop Dogg owns the world. Uh, and I'd like to dedicate this show to Tam Thomas, Big Tommy, Tam the Bam Courts, the man with a plan. Um, so, speaking of plans, to digest Scottish football, you need somebody with a huge gut. With that in mind, I have the man, the one-off, the Carrick now Casanova, the real Duke of Edinburgh, Mr Paul O'Neill. <laughs> a huge gut, thanks Thanks for that one. Um, yes, I am. There was the great man Don Rickles also once said, bring in your A-game. He says, you throw your best punch, otherwise don't do it. And I'm joined by a man who in that regard has always thrown his best, Mr Paul Larkin. Thank you very much. Are you, are you looking for a sub or something? <laughs> I'm just a nice guy. Well, um, I think after last week, you know, you've got a lot of making up today. Um, can I just actually mention a bit of correspondence we had about last week? Um, <clears throat> Bernie sixty eight wants to know why you getting birthday cards and occasion cards means you forget other people's birthday as you said on the show last Thursday I did notice that myself to be honest you claimed all these cards coming through the door and all that what was the, the, the I don't know it was, it was an unlinked thing that was me ah, losing right. track when we'd met yeah, okay. for, for my wife yeah, yeah. Um, just, I just forgot there's no one I've already apologised for it yeah, no I'm not some, I'm just passing on I am merely the mediator I am not the accuser uh, okay, Motherwell 1, Aberdeen 1 um, O'Hara and Bejluin Or whatever his name is um, You know Wally Miller described it as the worst game of football He'd seen in a long time um, I, I think uh, even Jim Goodwin In his after-match interview said it was not like a horrible advert mm, for the week I mean, there's only a couple of things I really know. I mean, First of all, it was uh, Graham Alexander's UCL walkie-talkie um, <laughs> Which I found a bit, you know, 1980s A-team and secondly, right, this this is the thing, this threw me completely, right? Um, there's no many things that kind of stir me up anymore, you know, being a 150-year-old and that. But I've got to say this. Chris Lucchetti sounds exactly like Graham Alexander. I, I didn't even pick up on that, but uh, I'll, I'll look for it in the future. Well, he was on the radio after the game, and... I was listening to it, you know, you, you know what it's like when that fucking sports wound, it's like they're all over the place with the groons and people are shouting and bawling on that, you're like, what the fuck is this? But he come on after the game and I heard the boy calling him Chris, I said, well he's called Graham Alexander Chris here, but <laughs> it was him, but um, aye, pretty, pretty uh, crap to be honest, um, no aye. quality, although I must admit I thought uh, Kevin Van Veen, you know, was a constant threat to Aberdeen, and especially considering he took a badge and on the shoulder, you know, midway through the first half. Aye, he's he's a handful for them in you know for every game they've played this season. I'm sure mm. I read that he's been involved in something like six or seven goals Motherwell scored this season Aye. against Aberdeen. And uh, no, he was a real a real nuisance. And he was bullying guys at Gallagher, which isn't like <coughs> today. No, I know like, the, the big physical guys. You know what I mean? Um, it wasn't a great game. Even even the opening goal was kind of a bit like the boy fell over it as it went in. Um, one thing I noticed as well was there was one of the Motherwell social media guys that, uh, a couple of weeks back on the telly saying it's ridiculous when fans are stuck in top tiers and on the bottom for optics it looks mm. terrible and then lo and behold Aberdeen are oh, their fans on the top <laughs> thing right. so you can't fine complain about that and say it's wrong if you want but don't be doing it when you're in clubs know, doing that as well I know. but then you know fucking Scottish football basically hypocrisy is its middle name isn't it 
Um, Hibs to Ross County now two good goals for Jake Doyle Hayes. Although I have to say, uh, I don't think the first one should have stood, <laughs> and I thought the goalie should have saved it. And yep. the second one, I'd be wanting my goalie to save it as well. Aye, the first one definitely. Bashiri's filled Peyton. It's blatant. Aye, because if Peyton gets out there, he blocks that shot. Aye. And Bashiri's just tripped him. I mean, it's cute for Bashiri, but the rest should be spot on it. Absolutely. I mean, it's, you're right. I mean, it's like, you know, he's entitled to do that. Of course he is in blocking. We all see it but goes all the time. But as you say, as long as the referee does his job, mm-hmm. there shouldn't be any complaints. Right, and the goalie, though, it's right through him. He's, he's really got to do better with that. And the second one, ah, you probably do want him to do better, but it's a, it's a cleaner strike, so it's a, a bit less blame at his own, <coughs> I think. Yeah. Well, I must say Ewan Henderson impressed me. He looked good. He was involved in most of the things uh, Hibs, Hibs mm. were doing. Um, County... Still looked alright in spells, but they just look like they're lacking a, a sort of cutting edge. But but that first goal's massive. If it stays nil no longer, they could get actually. No, I, I think you're right on that. Actually, I it's one of the games where the first goal is going to be massive in it, like, and uh, mm-hmm. it's went to Hibs. Um, just another last thing on Hibs. Um, I know we've been kind of berating them for the lack of crowds and all that. Their their game against Murnet on March the fifth, Easter Road is a fiver to get in. Which I think is really good. Uh, I might, matter of fact, we're playing on a Sunday, so I'm actually maybe going to try and convince the wife to go to that and support her. Would you like to join us, Paul? Or? Um, I would uh, probably decline that, yeah, but no, it's a, good, it's a it's a good initiative though. It is like we moan too often about prices being ridiculous and stuff, and Hibs are no like. See, I, I've seen a lot of Hearts fans being dead cynical about it, like because Hibs aren't selling. Obviously, that's the case, right? Oh, hey, it, but. <laughs> It's still good that they're doing something about it and giving people a chance to maybe kind of force it to go to the game. And the thing is, right, they had an injection of cash obviously in January for Martin Boyle. So, you know, they've probably looked at it and went, well, we can take a wee hit here. But then again, mm-hmm. they might not take a wee hit if the game's sell out, you know what I mean? So, <laughs> and I hope, I've, I, you know, I'm no um, deep into the kind of Hibs um, supporters or anything like that, that, that next season to go, there's a go for folks who won't be my season to get because Christ Almighty, it's a good positive initiative. <laughs> and also, you know, it might be you that's in the position to, to, to need that. And as you say, if you can encourage kids and, and people who may necessarily not be able to afford games now and again, I think that's a great thing. I think it's actually life. I mean, I actually noticed yesterday, you know, <clears throat> it was empty in the famous five stand again, but the, the East stand was quite reasonably full. You can't see the other one, obviously. Although, why the, they keep changing the fucking camera angles at Easter Road. I, I didn't get that either. Like, like, I mean, the Cove game was a completely different stand for normal one. It just throws you off when you're watching it. Pretty bizarre. Um, <clears throat> Livingston won St Mirren won. Uh, Anderson stroke Shaughnessy scored the first goal. Can you clear it up? Um, I, I, <laughs> I think it was Shaughnessy got the last touch. Anderson should have been scoring anyway rather than hitting the post, to be honest, in, in the first instance. He's <laughs> um, been four yards out. But it's, it's, it's got a bit of luck, but I, I think it was Shaughnessy the last touch came off myself. Uh, Charles Dunn seemed to want to say about everybody <laughs> He did Although I think the one that he got sent off for Was incredibly harsh But given the other ones He mm. probably can't really complain Because he was a, on the pitch uh, longer than he should have been a wee bit like you know, If I'm his manager right, I'm saying to him What the fuck do you keep raising your hands for? I mean I it's, it's, it's just the, Giving the referee the decision to make um, Kilty scored the equaliser Decent return for Kilty Situated St Mern and I want to point out, Paul, there was a pitch invasion. <laughs> there was instigated by a pitch invasion invader who, as I said on Thursday, was wearing a bubble jacket. <laughs> I, d- I didn't put the two and two together, ah, but I well, see, it. There's not much basket that gets past me, I'll tell you that for now. 
Um, but it was it's funny, like because um, I was talking to uh, John Paul Taylor the day that was on the show previously and stuff, and we were talking about you know as basically grumpy old men and run-ins and all that, and you know years gone by and we can reach back thirty odd years of running and stuff like that, and pinpointing Livingston as you know the game where we if we win that you know we're, we'll be strong because obviously it's been a bit of a bogey ground for us recently. Mm-hmm. And you look at it, and I, I mean the stadium's tired. You know, I, that fucking every time I see that Nordan written across the seats, <laughs> I always immediately see it and think, is Derek Ryerden fucking sponsored Livingston? Because <laughs> you only see half of it. Um, you could see the black pellets jumping up. Oh, I was I was going to mention that the pitch looked terrible. Aye. It looked like somebody had tried, like, if there'd been a tractor or something, tried to smooth the pellets out, but it was all over the place. Well, we knew a man there, a tractor. But I, I do, I think it's terrible. It just looks rubbish, the whole setup. You're right, Aye. it looks tired. It does. The seats are all faded. It's just. Aye. I, I, it's a tough one for them, right? Because it's a lot of money to go and replace all the seats and stuff like that. But It's uh, it's funny enough that I was thinking about because, I mean, Celtic Park, you know, has fucking been built since uh, 95 and. It's not really been a lot of improvements outside the disco lights, which was a necessity before UEFA. It's fucking, you know, I don't care who you are, it costs a hell of a lot of money to make ground improvements. Aye, it does. Because we, I think Carp spent about a million pounds in the summer and all the fans are like, well, what fucking, what we spend it on? Like, mm. Because it costs a lot of money to do even wee things. Aye. So aye, it's, it's not easy for clubs to do stuff like that. I, I get that, but it does it does look tired. Because there was a guy actually talking about, uh, <coughs> John Paul Taylor, I saw a guy... I wouldn't go as far as to say berating him, but he basically he was obviously um on this is on Twitter obviously where everything like that happens. He been at Man City and talking about all the stuff that they have gone on outside the ground and all that, and Celtic mm-hmm. didn't have anything. I mean, I don't know if any Scottish club does to be quite honest, but I know Celtic didn't. And it's kind of like, where does the money come to do anything about that? As much as I want it to happen, you know, because the mm-hmm. money for all the Celtic we know that came for the Commonwealth Games, you know, wh- wh- where did he get? I mean, what is it? I mean, realistically, what can you do like today? It's absolutely Baltic um, at the game and ruined the game. Although, when I said to you after the game I needed to throw out, you said, How come it was the Baltic like? Uh, no, it was roasting, Paul. Uh, <laughs> but what can you do really outside the ground for fans no. today? It's t- like, the thing as well, like, is it temporary structures which then cost money every so often? Or. Because clubs haven't got the money to build like, anything permanent these days. <coughs> right. um, and they would have blown away the week or not. I'm saying what they would have blown away this week or not. Well, exactly. It also comes into councils and that no one, any of these structures up on, on their land and stuff as well. They, they want any of that no. stuff. They want you to go to the game and get out. That's all, that's all interesting. And in terms of Celtic, I mean... It's interesting, like, because obviously with the Emirates just across the road, and I think Celtic for a long time pushed for some sort of, you know, better transport and some sort of sport city type village similar to the Etihad and all that doing in Manchester. And of course, the council just went, absolutely not. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's a wee bit like, for fuck's sake, you know, you've got 60,000 people going to every home game pretty much. You need to put infrastructure in place, you know, and, it, and it's, it's a case, and I don't know the answer. But is that Celtic's responsibility or is it the council's responsibility or whatever? Mm. But people It's probably to... a bit in the middle, but if people only want to help then Aye, true. Okay, so we had the uh, O'Neill Lenny uh, Derby on Saturday and with that in mind we'll pass you over to 
the Tory Farmers Compost Corner. Compost Corner, eh, no show from Paul O'Neill. Take care if that's a surprise or not. But anyway, anything to avoid a beer, but that's fine. Um, line up, pretty much the same. We've actually survived midweek. So I thought that Halberg and Henry Butte, so we've got something at least in it to go for it. So Nate Gordon and boys for them, which is good. So we'll see what happens at half time. Let's go. So 1 1, half time. Uh, I think Kenny scored. No idea. Um, some of us having a piss. It's standard, so maybe I'd say it should have a piss every time. Um, so I quality report and can't even tell you who scored. <laughs> I think it was Crawford, but we'll see. Um, the idea was good for Hearts. Again, fucking shooting ourselves in the foot. Unbelievable. Um, the defending, I think it came off the post eventually, but aye. Apart from that, nothing really else. Mackay's not really been in it, which you expect. That's um, been my point. The last time I was at Tynecastle, fucking Hearts fans, fucking mute. There's about 30 fucks up our end. Fucking singing away about, we're from the capital, this place a shite hole. Very good. Um, so I will see. Hopefully, we can maybe mix it up in the second half. But we need three points. These fucking draws are no good, right? So come on, let's go. St Johnston two, Hearts one, half the bottom of the league. Over to the Real Duke of Edinburgh for match analysis. Get in there. I'll get to my analysis, James, in just a second. But uh, the reason, just for the listeners, why I couldn't meet James at the pub, I wasn't, I wasn't a no-show. I'm just going to buy a pint. I was actually having to rob a bank to afford to pay for one of the macaroni and chorizo pies that St. Johnson had on sale. Three pound fucking ten. Aye, I did point that out to him that you know some of us here in Scumsville, as the Tories like to call us, have that a week to live on. Um, <laughs> he was flaunting his exactly. But give us um, your analysis of the latest Hearts debacle, Paul. Oh, dreadful. Again, it's just another game that we're so slow in starting. Obviously, St. Johnson scored after 50 seconds, which hmm. you, you want, when you start a game like that, you want to come out the blocks and because you, you know St. Johnson are going to be fighting for their lives and it's going to be a tough game. So to go behind that quickly was horrible. Um, it was well worked from their point of view. It was a good, Aye, a decent uh, goal, good move. Aye. Aye. From our point of view, it's, it's simple. Crawford makes his run through deep in the middle of the park and he's unmarked. It's disappointing. We obviously pulled one back pretty quickly. I've got to say, actually, Paul, though, you know, in your defence, at least you saw the goal. (laughs) You weren't slavering about the fucking toilet doing God knows what and then no finding out who the fuck scored and all the rest of it. I know. I mean, in his defence, they've been missing it. They've only scored about four all season, so he probably wasn't expecting it. Fair enough, fair enough. But at the same time, I'm wondering, does he have a problem with alcohol? (laughs) <laughs> Possibly. Well, right, right. He surely asked somebody around you, right? Who scored? Aye, well, was, was there anybody else there? I know he was berating the heart support. Um, he was claiming there was a shitty city support there. There did look to be an empty section. He was taking photos. He was taunting you during the game. Have you got anything to say uh, about that? I thought actually, I thought the support was all right. There was an empty section behind the goals, but we had a section in the main stand as well. So it was all right. So, let me get, so you you've had like one behind one goal, one another behind the goal was empty completely, and then St Aye. Johnson had, uh, you know the kind of the main stand, and then you know the bit the stand opposite that. Is that right? That's right. Aye. Aye. but we had one of the sections in the main stand. I think right, it's a right. family area. Um, but aye, so we equalised um, pretty quickly. So you think, right? Okay, here we go. Reset. 
And the second half was just a bit scrappy. Um, Sims, the first half, sorry, Sims had a chance where they hit the post and he really should have scored. <coughs> and I think if we take the lead at that point, St Johnston were rocking a wee bit. I think um, Sims is starting to impress me a bit more. Um, he's a different type of striker to Boyce. A lot more movement. Mm-hmm. Leads the line yes. well. Um, sniffs out chances. And you can see he knows what he's doing. The problem I, is, and I'm just surmising going on highlights, the problem for me is how many opportunities is he getting? Yeah, I, I agree completely that he looks like a really good player. Like, and he, he makes kind of big curved runs and he walks and born behind all the time, which is good because boys can't do that. He's just not the pace to do it. Boys is a good player, but um, I, I do <coughs> think he's got to be a bit more clinical. He had three efforts yesterday, and two of them he basically hit with the studs of his feet and didn't connect cleanly. One, he had a really good sort of effort when he turned the guy in and fired it at Parish. Um, but at the second half, we, we just never got started at all. Like, no. St Johnston looked like a team that were fighting for it. Aye. And we, we were so... I don't know if we think third's in the bag and we're just really struggling to get mm-hmm. motivated. But it's tough. Like, I mean, it's not good enough. And no. St Johnston, after they scored their goal, there was a good 10-minute spell where we could not get out at all. I, I thought we were going to lose a third. Well, I've got to say this. I think the two goals hurts lost yesterday with the two two goals that you lose when you are on a losing run, mm. and you're everybody's just standing looking at each other waiting for somebody else to take responsibility. You know what I mean? Aye. Well, the, the second one we tried to put an offside trap, but he's about four yards. Oh, he's run for deep. I know. And they're all standing. Suitors claiming for offside. He's not even looking what's behind him. I like, know. He, I must admit, he, I don't know. It's easy to say, oh fuck, mine must be elsewhere. That he looked fucking appalling. I mean, he literally <laughs> for a guy who has ability like that saying goal. Fuck me. Aye, well, also like something I didn't really necessarily agree with is obviously Gordon was out with COVID. Aye, uh, but we made suitor captain in his absence. I'm not sure a guy that's already mm. said he wants to leave should be captain. No, I'd agree with that. I don't think that sets a good precedent, especially guys like Kingsley and that in the team. It's easy to give to one of them. Aye, but it's, uh, that's at least their problems. But no, St Johnson deserved. It. I mean, we had chances, but if you didn't take them, mm. that's that's what you get. You know what I mean? Um, and St Johnston, um fought for everything and they, they played some decent stuff as well and that Halberg had a good game in the middle of the park Aye the um, I think it was mentioned after the game that they said well he is an ex-hibby so he was <laughs> trying like fuck basically but Aye. I mean the thing is right it's, it's, Hearts are a decent team there's no question about that right but the problem right now is um, they come back for the winter break right they went to fucking um, so the first time we came everybody saw was the Auchinleck right and they fucking mm-hmm. played them off the park, right? The golf was enormous and all that. And you'd probably be thinking, right, here we go, second half of the season type thing. And since then, <laughs> they've just went into a complete rut. I know. It's, so what's it, five or six, or I think, we a win. Aye. Um, it's, yeah, it's, it's just not good. But it's not just, like, losing, right? Because he's no entitlement to win. It's no. the performances are right. fucking insipid. And I don't know where that's came from, because the start of the season... We were all about pace and energy and guys like Devlin and Beningamy and like we had two wingers playing in behind Boyce and we were, and had Woods and, yeah. and that just seems to have completely gone. And I don't know if it is confidence and they get, they're scared to try stuff but mm. we've got to get out of it quickly because that lead that we had is down to nine points already. Like, don't get me wrong, like, I still think three or four wins should probably be enough because the team behind would have to win seven or eight out of 11 games left. Uh, but I, I mean, we, need to, we need to get out of it. We need uh, to get out of it quickly. Because I mean, yeah. the fans... Hate Nielsen, well, some of them nah. do anyway. I mean, look, to me, like he is a hard guy to like. I mean, he's, he's fucking. But at the same time, 
you know, Hibs are in fourth now, I believe, and, you know, that's with, with yeah. them just winning a game for the first time ever, you know, basically. So <clears throat> the league's cutting itself up, so... But I suppose, like what you were saying before, you know, the Cup had they went out last week, you know, then their season could have just went stale completely because they yeah. are so far ahead and they're so far behind the, the two above them and that. So, yeah. interesting times. But it's a decent win for St Johnston, but it's sort of... You know, it's, it's you know it really will only count for much of Dundee win on Wednesday. You know what I mean? So, um, we'll keep an eye on that. Uh, on to today. Mm-hmm. Uh, did you watch Dundee United save court or anything or? I did. I did. I um. So give us I a classic fuck all. So. I, I thought first half Dundee United were pretty good. Mm-hmm. Like they took, took the lead and they didn't look under much threat at all. Aye. Se- second half, um, they they seemed to tire really quickly and. They were under the cost for big spells there. But when it, it got to like 70, I think 76 minutes before Arrebo scored, so I thought they were going to hang on. Mm. But mm. after that goal, I, I thought that it was going, they were going to lose another couple. To me, they looked like absolutely dead on their feet. Mm-hmm. But from their, their point of view, it's a, it's a good point. Um, yeah. Everything going on, like teams around them as well. So I think they're, they're sort of joint with Hibs now in fourth place. So it's a, it's a good point for them, definitely. And Sevco, what, what was their performance like? Uh, first half they were dead leggy like, I, they played pretty much the same team that played in Europe right. midweek so I don't know if the, mm. that was a mistake or whatever but the second half they were miles the better team um, they probably could have could have won it to be if honest but I would maybe lacking a wee bit sort of composure in, in front of the goal mm-hmm. um, Celtic 3 Dundee 2 um, I went through the game and fucking right you know you need to go through quite early to Celtic Park to get to get part somewhere, right? Um, simple as that. So you mean, and then of course, what then happens is, um, Dundee United score, and you right away you feel the tension all around the ground outside. I'm talking mm-hmm. about like, eh? uh, we have I don't know if this is part of uh, Castle, but we have basically a COVID wall around the ground. The people. And you know that kind of thing, and I swear to you, the minute you set in that perimeter or the footprint, as you call it, you cannot get a signal on your phone. <laughs> you know, you've got sixty thousand people in the area, probably all what you know. So then it's difficult to keep up with the score. It's difficult to keep in touch with anybody. I was trying to get in touch with a guy the day that was over for Australia, Danny. You know, I sent him messages at uh, twenty two, and they got delivered about fucking half time or something. Ken, it's fucking nonsense. Um, so then, of course, you you then go into this sort of um, bit of theatre where you're talking about stuff, but really all you're thinking about is the game at Tannadice, you know what I mean? So then the next thing, you find out they've equalised and you're thinking, oh, fuck, they're going and win now kind of thing. And then the longer it goes and the longer it goes and the longer it goes and you kind of get fuck all on your phone. And then obviously there's like an eruption around outside the groundy people cheering when the final whistle goes. <coughs> Problem then comes. Oh, this goes for the routine Dundee at home game. To oh my god, we must win. Mm. And I think a lot of you know kind of modern day fans. And I want to clarify something else. See, when I say modern day fans, I didn't necessarily mean younger people, because there's a lot of younger people no. who are completely on the ball. And I'm just talking about your modern day, who basically are the biggest bottle merchants in, in the world, panicking. You lose <laughs> a fucking ball or that kind of thing. The Dundee came uh, to basically park the bus. I think Mark McGee called it a five, three and a half, one and a half. Um, <laughs> and, you know, they've done it very well. In fact, 
<clears throat> um, a lot of the stuff that you see about their win at Tynecastle was kind of prevalent again. Um, they never had Charlie Adam. Um, I think he was injured, so you know they had a lot more legs, and they were trying to utilise McMullen's pace. Mm-hmm. Uh, wet one up for a set piece. Um, I think. I mean, the conditions were pretty poor in terms of wind, and I think the ball stuck in the wind, and that allowed the boy to get the ball. And then, um, all I was thinking about was like you know Danny Panic, and I'm, I'm not talking about the players. I'm talking about the fans. You know, mm-hmm. Danny get on players' backs. You know, it's you know this is a fucking sprint to the end, and if you choke, you know. Um, Jack Amakis gets two quite rapid, um, which is great for him. He was like a man possessed today. Um, he's a big physical guy. <coughs> you know, he was a top scorer in the era, I'd say, last week. Uh, last week, sorry, last year. And um, I'm starting to see why now, you know, mm. as he's starting to find his feet and all that. Um, and he, not just his goals, but he's all around playing, hassling people, and that was brilliant. Um, and then second half, I mean, well, it's again, it's another one of these 80% possession games. But we give away a cheap free kick, the ball comes in and uh, Sweeney heeds it in. And that's our, um, you know, basically deficiency is we probably lack height in the centre of the defence. You know, mm-hmm. Starfelt still doesn't convince me. So the attendance, he's like, you ever get like your cat or a dog, right? It used to happen with my dog, happens with my cat now. They, they go, they indulge in what I used to call the mad half hour, where they just start going fucking bananas and running about the house and all that and daft. That's what Starfield <laughs> does, like for ten minutes in every game, you know. And I'm <laughs> and I'm no fucking convinced by the fact that he comes out wearing gloves in these games. I mean, he comes to fucking Sweden, you know. It's even fucking cold there in the winter, so then it's like too old, and you're like, oh, here we go, kind of thing. But you know that. I like what Paul Sokogo said after the game. He said, the answer's lying in your play. You know, that's, you know, just keep doing what we want you to do. And um, <clears throat> it was a great goal for Jack Amakis to win it. One complaint I have is, you know, this, this is a guy who struggled to start his Celtic career, then he got injured. Comes on the day, oh, sorry, plays today, scores a hat-trick, you know, sc- including the winning goal in the last five minutes, you know, runs to the crowd, uh, top off, and there's a referee waiting booked, you know. It's like, you know, we're wanting, we want an emotion in this game or we just want to stand there and fucking take it all out kind of thing. You know, it's, he's running into his own fans. He's not running into the Dundee fans or anything like that. And it's a big emotional moment. Everybody knows the importance of the goal and all that. Um, referee was appalling. I mean, some of the time-wasting for Dundee was unbelievable. Again, as I said, they're prerogative, but the referee's got to do his job. You mm-hmm. know, and it got to 70 minutes before he even spoke about it um, to, like, the goalkeeper or whatever again. So... But it's um, it's proof that, you know, in a title race, and I've seen so many of these, right, you can't take anything for granted. That's the first thing. I said it a couple of weeks ago, people putting up after with one against the Huns. Oh, look at the next fixtures. We're going to romp this league easily. No, nah, it doesn't work like that. Dundee are fighting for their fucking lives, so they're going to give you a game. Um, secondly, it's just about winning at this stage of the season. No matter how you do it, you know, that's how anyway. Thirdly, it's a three-point gap now. Plus, uh, I think it's a plus nine goal difference, so that's like kind of like an extra point. So, the pendulum of pressure kind of swings towards Sevco now, in the sense mm. that we play our next game before they play their next game. It could go to six points or whatever it might know. Who knows? But um, it's it's important that people realise that I keep saying this: the scale of the job that Ange Postecoglou had 
the start of the season that we had, the fact that we had couldn't get players in right away, etc., to now be three points clear is, is is incredible. And I think people need to focus on that more than oh now we now we need to win it now we need to win it now we need to win it because that'll seep mm. through to the players. Whereas what we need to do as supporters is support. I I, th- I think that's you're saying a bit modern fans. Like, it's obviously different pressure <coughs> to nah. go for the title or whatever. But it was the same when Hearts played Dundee the other week. As as soon as they pulled a goal back, fans were right on the players' back. Yeah. There was no sort of like you're kind of control of this game. It'll come, and that does not help at all. It just makes people more nervous, and it gives it gives them a lift as well. They feed off that because they know they're upsetting the the, the home support and making the home players nervy. So I, fans, fans in general have to be more patient. I think I, I didn't think that's something that. Well, there fans was an, an incident on Friday on Twitter. It was very much like the uh, John Ronson book, so you've been publicly shamed, which is about people who have done something on social media and a whole world jumped on top of them, and you know basically tried to fucking ruin their life. Like for example, this woman um, was in Heathrow gone to South Africa and her plane was delayed by six hours so she got absolutely paralytic she was talking to her mate and all that kind of thing <coughs> and um, she sent the mate a message saying right that's me boarding I'm going to uh, South Africa with all the men I, ho- I hope I didn't catch AIDS right now it's a pretty stupid thing to say right but then of course she actually posted it to Twitter no to her pal so she's completely oblivious to the fact that in the 10, 11 hour flight or whatever it is, the whole world's ready to kill her. You know what I mean? So something that happened similar on Friday with a guy um, who basically said that fucking Ange was hanging by a thread after we got beat on Thursday. <laughs> and, you know, it's just like, what the... F- and this is when a young guy or anything like that it goes what I say about the modern fan. And it's just like, what the fuck are you talking about? But I think the guy posted this and then done whatever he was doing for four or five years, came back and had the whole world ready to fucking kill him. <laughs> and he actually issued a public apology. <laughs> but it's, again, it's like that. It's Look, football is not about winning every game. If it was, then why would anybody support other teams other than the absolute elite world football, you know? Um, you take the good with the bad, and as much as it fucking hurts when you get beat and all the rest of it, You've got to put it in the context of what happens, you know, that day and that week and whatever. Because you know yourself, football has so many variables. And the way it swings from one season to the next, you can't guarantee anything. Mm. I mean, how many people <laughs> How many people in fucking September would have said Celtic would be three points clear going into the last week in February? Nobody would have. You know what I mean? There are absolute shambles all over the place. Um, but aye, it's just like what you said about modern fans and what have you, it's... It can be frustrating, but um, aye, well, there you go, basically. Okay, so um, the votes, voting cards went out this week to players, uh, etc. For player of the year, young player of the year, um, are it five names doing Paul for the player of the year, um, and I don't know if you'll agree with them or not. Joe Hart. Cameron Carter-Brickers, Regan Charles-Cook, Morelos and Joe Shaughnessy, St Mun. They would be my five candidates, whether they are there or no. And for young player of the year, it's a bit more difficult. I put Leela Bader and Conor Ramsey. What about you? Uh, 
Aye, uh, <clears throat> so I was I was leaning towards Kyogo as the one that I thought would mm. be the pick, but I think he's just had too many injuries to. I mean, he's been out two months now in the last. Aye, and he had a couple <clears throat> of early doors as well, I didn't know, he? Like, I know. So I think, but the impact he had on you was absolutely massive. Aye, but I think that's partly why I was had him uh, in the running. Aye, I, I find <clears throat> it quite difficult. Um, I think Craig Gordon's been outstanding, but you're not going to get player of the year for playing being third place pretty much. Mm-hmm. I don't think. Uh, Regan Charles Cook's one I've got as well um, because just basically to stand out in a team that are struggling like that and be their main man Aye. Ten, 10 goals through midfield and they're always important goals like I think 8 of them have been in games that they haven't lost which for Ross County is absolutely massive mm-hmm. so he's actually influencing games it's not just like he's chipping them with like, constellation goals or anything like that and I do think Morelis would be up there as well purely with the goals that he's had this season because there's nobody really running away in that regard but I think uh, Charles Cook would be probably my pick at, at this point Mm-hmm. For a young player um, struggled a bit as well. Um, Abad is the one I came up with. It's about the only clear one I can think of. Yeah, like he, he joined you, but he's what, twenty year old. Aye, adapting to a new country. He's got fourteen goals, eleven assists. Like that, that kind of consistency is absolutely remarkable for somebody that age. Uh... And especially when he first came in, he looked maybe like he was going to be a wee bit lightweight or something. You weren't, I wasn't quite convinced. But he's just he's went on to be like a properly important player for you. I think he'll be. Uh, Pretty much clearing the run for that one. I mean, I I think he adapted quite quickly. You're right. He did look a wee bit like, well, fucking hell, this is physical, you know. Um, <laughs> but he adapted quite quickly, and he definitely we are no the same team without him. I mean, Jota would have been close to it as well had he not had so many injuries as well. Um, mm-hmm. Because he's been outstanding. But you know, people forget as well with these guys. They're so young, you know. <clears throat> they're not going to play their skin every week. But in terms of the impact they have, they're, they're, they're fantastic. Like. Um, in terms of the other thing we've got to talk about relegation I, I'm really struggling with this I've got to tell you about who I think will go down and I, I'll tell you a reason why right if the results had went differently this weekend your answers might have been completely different um. you know um, St Johnson had a great win obviously in the context of their season and the lucky wins they've had um, and then Dundee get beat so they're like delayed two points there but then Dundee have got some money home and they, they win that they go above St Johnston mm-hmm. Can you see anybody other than Dundee or St Johnston uh, going down? Because I tell you right now, if Aberdeen hadn't dropped them on, I might have fucking said they would have. It dropped yesterday, sorry. It took a point yesterday. I'm fucking talking shit. Took a point <laughs> yesterday and put a new manager in there. I, I think they might have been in the mix, but I don't think they will be now. And Hibs, you know, who have been rubbish for ages, are suddenly fourth. I know. It's, it's so tight. <coughs> I would have said Ross County were well at it mm. by now, but... That win yesterday for St Johnston puts them, what, four points behind? Aye. So St Johnston get another win for somewhere quickly and Ross County don't, that puts pressure on them as well, you know what I mean? Aye. And I think, that you're right, Dundee have got St Mirren. If Dundee don't beat St Mirren, I think they could maybe look to maybe be cut adrift a wee bit. Because St Johnston have been on a decent run as well. It's not just the one like they beat Livy away and they drew, was it, uh, with Dundee United and Aberdeen. So like they're picking up points now with before the money. Um, but then Dundee, like the, you, I did not expect them to win at Tynecastle and, and no. come so close today to getting a result. You know what I mean? So it is really difficult. If I had to, if I had to stick my neck out, I would say Dundee. Because be I just think they, yeah. I think they lack a bit quality that, um, or, or just a bit sort of solidity that St Johnston, I think, have got because they've got a bit dig and, and they mm. seem to have sort of the leaking goals issue. I mean, it's interesting. Dundee, I think, are pretty are doing all right against teams that are way above them. But it's 
around them, they're not really doing that much when they have to. I mean, you know, they have to. They end up playing St. Martin at home, right? They'll need to take the game to St. Martin, and that's where they think they'll struggle. <coughs> you know, whereas St. Martin are quite kind of. I mean, it, again, and then the variable with that game as well is St. Martin might put a new manager in place between <coughs> now and then. You know, we've talked about, or they've talked about Stephen Naismith, Scott Brown. You know, I honestly would be absolutely bewildered if Scott Brown went there, and I'll tell you why. It's got nothing to do with his ambitions or whatever. He's, I know he wants to, his whole thing was to get away from Celtic and get experience elsewhere and probably, hopefully, come back as manager or whatever. But, like, this big fucking project that Aberdeen put in place at the end of the season, and then if Brown goes to St. Mun, that's it just completely in tatters. I know. But it was interesting yesterday that Goodwin didn't seem like he was that, that massively bored with convincing him to stay. He was like, no. oh, I come to that bridge. I, I thought I don't that know. as well, I, I thought that as well. I mean, he gave all the but, pressure about being under contract and that, but he didn't seem like, I'm definitely not letting him go anywhere. Aye, I, I thought that as well. But I, I wonder as well, like, Tamira wouldn't be player manager, would it? So is he willing to give up playing mm. now when he maybe had a date in mind, if you know what I mean? I mean, the, the, the other one, of course, is that they've been linked to is Kevin Thompson. So does he go in there? We, we all know he's our best mates with him. Thompson is manager and him as assistant player manager. Possibly. <coughs> Which that, I think that, that, that'd be, that I think be, that'd be a, a great coup for someone to get the two, you know? I, I, Thompson's done well, but it's hard to tell how <coughs> well he's done considering how much more money Kelty's spending than everybody else. Aye. But um, it's, you've still got to win. You know I mean? Chucking money's not just a... No, the answer on the scene. You still got to win these games, so I think he would be a decent. That could be a good shout. The two of them, to be honest, it'd be high aye, profile for him aye. as well. And of course, Stephen Naismith. That that just name came in anywhere. Uh, Brian McLaughlin, who obviously has a lot of close contacts at Tynecastle, seemed to be <laughs> absolutely adamant yesterday. He was the man they wanted, top of the list. Blah blah blah. And uh, it would be very soon they'd be approaching Hertz to to speak to him. Aye, well, I I believe that we've gave permission today for right. him to go well, and speak to them. Go, uh, so, but as far as I know, it's just an interview, so I don't know. Mm. It, it, it's interesting if you sit in a kind of in a, a position where they probably can afford to take a gamble on somebody improving at this point. Mm. It's not like they desperately need a bit of experience in there because they'll probably be safe for the season. And I guess if it wasn't working out, you could make an early choice next year. Aye, and also, you know, it's not that often that people go into jobs when they're relatively doing well. Normally it's in a crisis or, mm. you know, whatever. Aye. But aye, so we'll keep an eye on that, and obviously, uh, Mr. Lenny will be kind of into. I mean, it's it's not at three pound ten for this <laughs> fucking pie. I know, I know. Um, and it's like, I don't know. I mean, it's a different. I see. What do you actually think about? Um, I meant to see this to you earlier. Actually, he's talking about the Hertz young team or whatever singing. We're from the capital. You're from a shite hole. I don't think Perth ever gets accused of being a shite hole anywhere. No, but I think that's one just gets sung anywhere outside, uh, <laughs> anywhere outside Edinburgh. Um, I, 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 to be fair, the fans were not great yesterday, but then on the flip side of that, what, what did they have to get behind? They were a goal to death after 50 seconds. Mm. And it was a terrible performance. But I, Although St Johnston as well, their fans had a chant. It was bizarre. It was, hearts are pedos. Hearts are pedos. <laughs> 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 All right, yeah. I don't know where that came from, but uh, is this going back to Graham Ricks or? I think it might be boy. fucking Ricks. The, the Ricks was what ten years ago? No, more fifteen years right. ago. <sighs> Bizarre. Um, okay, so just a wee uh, non-serious subject now. Is there going to be a World War Three anytime soon, Paul? <laughs> well, I don't know if it'll be World War Three, but it's definitely going to be a 
a massive kickoff because the Russians are only going to they're not going to pull they're, they're so far advanced that they're definitely going to mm. invade Ukraine and it'll be incredibly interesting to see how the rest of the world approach it when they do because it's such, so delicate isn't it like with Russia with yeah. China on their side <clears throat> there's all the issues with NATO like whether Ukraine can join should join whether NATO should go in or if they've got any right to go in Mm. And obviously, there's a, a, a Biden's been giving it big licks about sanctions on Russia. So I, it's, it's a fucking, it's a horribly scary time to be honest. And, yeah. and, and well, I mean, I think make any... the media are like, oh, what's Putin's obsession with Ukraine? Well, Ukraine's the key to the, the Soviet Union, which is what he wants to bring back. I also think that Putin likes a wee show of strength every and ever again, just to make sure that everybody knows who's in charge in Russia. You know what I mean? Right. I, I think as well that Putin like <clears throat> he seems hell bent. On making his mark and being a name in the left in history, and I think they stuff like this. Well, I mean, listen, we all know they influenced the American elections. Mm-hmm. Um, they certainly influenced Brexit, and we love it the fact that Europe's at each other's throats and all that kind of thing. Um, the big sort of change in dynamic was Syria when the Britain went to have a potent parliament and America was going to come in to get Assad, and Putin said, "Right, that's fine, but I'm coming into back Assad," and they went, "Oh well, maybe we'll no bother." Mm-hmm. Which is what never happened with Afghanistan and Iraq. So, um, I, I, <clears throat> I think these shows of strength with the military boots on the ground and the fucking missiles going through Red Square and all that are one thing. War War Three is not going to be um, fought like that. Obviously, it's got to be fought in cyberspace. Mm-hmm. Um, so it is interesting, but it's um, one of the things we are. You know, it becomes a convenient thing for certain politicians, i.e. Boris Johnson. And I find it laughable for him going over trying to advise the Ukraine, you know, like, really? You know? Um, but aye, it's, um, it fascinates me because I remember Bill Hicks saying once, and, you know, he came, Bill Hicks was like, he's always making people think. And it was the end, he talked about the end of the Cold War, you know, between Russia <coughs> and America. And he said, wouldn't it make you all think to realise that we were the big bad guys? <laughs> and you know, and it's we get fed a certain line all the time, um, but you know it can be scary. And it's like you know, um, there was a guy on the telly, a British guy, who was over there and married to a Ukrainian girl and was going on about how he couldn't, his girl couldn't get a passport because he locked down, you know, a British passport, mm. and so they couldn't get out, type thing. And all I could think when I was watching was, this boy really looks like Robbie Coltrane. (laughs) It just, it was weird, like, but um, Putin, uh, Putin's a fucking strange, I mean, you know, he's obviously like, he. I mean, listen, Russia, right? Let me see, right? Russia are no like other nations. The Chinese and that make China town. Russians didn't really put their areas on the map. They kind of, they're no small time in ending the day, right? And when the Soviet Soviet Union collapsed, what what that then led to was crime. Excuse me, all over the world changing, right? Because suddenly all these KGB trained killers were spread around the world with bags of fucking money, right? And they come to um, Britain and they look at it like this is the fucking softest target in the world, you know. Um, they didn't run up to a nightclub and say, right, you, out the way, we have taken over here. They went and bought a sport uh, in Linear Leisure who control night, 700 nightclubs in Britain. So that's, boom, the drug trade is theirs. They bought Chelsea, you know, just like that. They built Wembley, right? 
Um, and when every other team, every other team in the world is wiped out by the mafia in America, the mafia seen the Russians and went, "What's the deal?" You know, no, we're not going to fucking fight you, because the Russians didn't play by the normal gangster rules. They didn't hurt families. Didn't hurt fucking um polis and all that kind of stuff. So, what then happens is you can't sort of go, "Oh, hey, what, what the fuck are you talking to? I'm with fucking the Gambino family." The Russians are like, I don't even know who the Gambian family are. I didn't even speak the same fucking languages yet. I don't know what the fuck you're saying, so I'm going to kill you. You know? Um, and it's, again, if you look at British gangsters, right? British gangsters, when they're going to go on a hit, some, one guy will get in touch with another guy, and then they'll get in touch with a third guy who has the guns somewhere hidden, because nobody has them in their house, right? And then they go away and get that gun, and then they've got to keep up to the guy and fucking, you know, get him in a vulnerable spot whether it's coming out of the pub or whatever bang and he'd hopefully get him and that's it the fucking Russians are coming over with the kind of artillery that can put a red dot on your head for a mile away right <laughs> this isn't a group of hard nuts for Tottenham that you've got to deal with you know what I mean so the British crime scene's like fuck this you know what I mean they, they can't they just fucking wait they're just putting guys into Salisbury poison this boom boom Poison Umbrella, like something out of a fucking James Bond movie. I know. And then Putin just sits here, and the fucking British Parliament, that's it, right? You need to stop doing this. And he's just, just like, what are you going to do about it? Like? I know. I think that's a big thing about why this is so dodgy, is, is the unpredictability. Like, you, you think he wouldn't do some of these things. He wouldn't mm. be, he can't just go on a try and attack Kiev in a democratic country. But if he wants to, he will. And you look at the, the Salisbury poisoning. So right. he, the, blatant murder. Or attempted murder in the in the middle of the day in a tiny British town. Quite obviously, uh, they had the evidence of the Russian boys coming in and that, and they just went no, <laughs> and uh, nothing came of it. So the, the the unpredictability they've got is, uh, I think, the big thing in in play here. I mean, they, my only real experience. I used to go to the Russian baths quite a lot when I lived in America. Brilliant. My only experience of them, really, um, is that I can talk about, <laughs> is. You know, there's quite a few of them in Brighton Beach in New York. I was doing there one summer, probably 15 years ago, summer of 2009, right? And I walked past this restaurant about 7 o'clock at night. It was still just getting dusky, you know, in America. <laughs> and there was a Russian restaurant, right? And I thought, oh, right. Never, I didn't think I'd ever seen one before. I looked in, there was a squad of about 12, 15 guys around a table. And in the middle of the table was a beautiful young woman with food on top of her. Like, not just random food, like, delicately and artistically placed there. And they were all just picking it off. And I was like, fuck me, they never really done this in a Muru's chippy. You know what I mean? <laughs> it was just fucking surreal. So, interesting times, but um, they're basically running everything. And as they say, they've got China behind them as well. I mean, they fucking got banned for the Olympics and just went there and said, no, well, we're the Russian Olympic Committee. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> Put a, a slightly different flag on, and that was it. Aye. When I watched it, I came, when I seen it first, I was like, ROC, I was like, what's that, the Republic of China or something? Then the China, I was like, no, oh, what the fuck's got Russia and Olympic Committee? So they didn't give a fuck, so anyway. Okay, so to round up, this is actually our 50th uh, show, Paul. It's not really our 50th, I've done a lot more, but it's our 50th regular show. We're not counting mm-hmm. specials and all that kind of thing. Um, and what I wanted to say a couple of things, I mean, I'm always, a, first of all, People, I think, sometimes don't understand that this is 
either a comedy show that talks about football or a football show that tries to take the piss out of itself, basically, right? Um, mm-hmm. That all the stuff we basically say that's no football is basically a laugh kind of thing. But it was actually started as a kind of combating bad mental health thing because it was, you know, lockdown and and all that. I mean, how do you feel um, it's progressed since the beginning? Yeah, I think it's a... Uh... It's a lot better than when we first started. I think finding the result is sort of finding our feet and and try to get the format right and, and things like mm. that. But I, I'm I'm delighted with how it's went. It's it's great. And as you say, we started it just to if anybody wanted to listen to us, Aye. take their minds off a bad situation. And I, I'm really grateful to people who do listen to us as well and continue mm. to listen to us. Absolutely. And like we're no no trying to be the biggest or the no. or claim no. we're the best podcast out there or anything like that. But um. People that are, are happy enough to listen to us, I'm, I'm delighted. So I just want I mean, to say thanks to everybody for doing from so. From my point of view, I'd done Celtic podcasts for about 10 years and I got sick of it, to be quite honest, because there's only so much you can talk about. And also, it then became, you know, everybody was doing a Celtic podcast, you know, and all that kind of thing. And I was like, I'm bored with this. Like, you know, I'm no not anything more to say. Um, I wanted to sort of try and do something that was a bit, working class voices we sort of top class knowledge if you like you know um nay sanitize you know you this is such we'll never do advertising or you know videos here so in here with our big fucking headphones we're not wearing big fucking headphones that's one of the <laughs> things that drives me do lally about people that do podcasts now they sit there with their big head- you don't need to put headphones on you'll get the same it, it doesn't matter sound qualities is pretty much the same everywhere it's not about that it's about the content the content is the key to everything. Um, it's only probably been, actually, we've talked to us a lot in the last few weeks where we've started to get a bit more interactions. You know, mm. the listenership and the, and, and the numbers are fine. Know that we give a shit about it, but, um, I mean, we're getting listening in 65 countries, which blows my fucking mind. Like, what the fuck cunts in Venezuela are thinking about this or, you know, Bahrain <laughs> or something like that. But... Um, you know, that disappointed us a bit because we were like, we want people to interact with what we're saying, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and it feels like they can't just agree with us. And we were never set out to be controversial for the sake of that, but there were certain things we were saying were like, everybody agrees with us, honestly, you know? Um, yeah. And that, and that, that actually, but I think, you know, the format of trying to cover all Scottish football, but from a kind of un, you know, less sanitised, no through a filter, we're not trying to fuck it, oh my god, did he swear or anything, kind of works, and if people want to get their fix just outside of their own team, I think we're covering that, you know, quite well. I know, I completely agree, and I think as well, we've tried to, like obviously there's going to be a, a Harps and Celtics land to it, because that's Aye. who we support, mm-hmm. but I think we've always tried to cover other teams and look at topics that are going on as well, I think, um, <clears throat> I as you say, I think that pe- people must enjoy that because we've had, as you say, I don't really care about numbers. I think if it's 10 people listening to us or whatever, right. as long as no, they enjoy no, it. No, but it seems to be pretty steady and there, there's been a, a good core of people following right. us. So we must be doing something right, I think. And then, aye, and some of the numbers have been astronomical. I mean, there is a steady following. I mean, it went doing mm, about 13 months ago when Hosey went off the rails with basically, you know, talking a lot of shit about referees that he didn't know anything about. And, and we've tried, you know, Hosey was a great sort of analyst and all that, but anybody knows I'll tell you, he is the laziest man in Western Europe. And it's 
torture trying to get somebody like that um, to sort of kind of do stuff, you know, and make it that dynamic. Um, we reached out for people to give, and we still do, if anybody wants to give their own slant on their own team's performances, we got James Lenny in. Um, I believe he's got his own fan club now in Schoon. Um, <coughs> the Tory farmer number one, I believe he's speaking at the next Conservative Party uh, conference. And uh, I'm almost certain that he's going to run for the leadership of the party when Johnson finally gets knocked out. Aye, uh, stranger things have happened. Aye, well, fucking St Johnson won yesterday, so... <laughs> but no, it's... Um, the, the point about this is, is that although you will hear serious topics and serious debate and sometimes arguments and all that, it's not that serious. We didn't take ourselves that seriously, you know? Um, funnily enough, Tony Wilson's birthday today. Tony Wilson always said, I take myself very fucking seriously, you know? <laughs> I've never been like that. You've never been like that. You know, we're open to criticism. We don't think we've got all the answers to everything. We just give viewpoints. We've never hid for the fact that I'm a Celtic fan, Paul's a Hertz fan, or that I've got no time whatsoever for Seth Cove, no interest in talking about them. Paul, as you well know, loves sticking the boot into anything that comes out of Easter Road. Um, thrives on it, some might say. Even though at one point in his life, actually lived within a corner kick Easter Road, you know, in the belly of the beast, Paul. How would you explain that? Edinburgh Houghton pretty much the only reason only thing I could get that was affordable and to, to get myself yeah. a, a, a mums at the time <laughs> well you want to do a podcast with your mum <laughs> that would take about 10 years um, we a new one called your ma aye aye uh, that's a, a, a kind of ongoing joke that we have privately but aye I mean we just did this for fun we didn't look to monetise it or you know make it the, the career path to whatever. It's so many people seem to be interested in um, these days. We just do it because we enjoy it and also, you know, some people do like it. And as I always say to Paul, and I've said to other people as well, some people rely on it. And what I mean by that is somebody can be gone through the depths of hell and this might be the only thing that takes them away from that for an hour or whatever. So I always feel a kind of responsibility to the listenership in that respect that, you know, you have to try and get some content out week on week. Sometimes that's impossible because there's only two of us. But in the main, um, it kind of works. And also, one of the things that's really strange, I think, is we've had a lot of great guests, you know, high-profile guests and that, and yet people much prefer when there isn't a guest on. I find that I find that weird that people would rather just listen to us two than something like Jackie McNamara or something. I know it is. It's mental, right? but I don't know. I don't know. But um, so I so it's number fifty um, of the regular shows, and it's been uh, a constant pleasure when Jose and Dougie were on. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but we'll look forward to the next fifty. Um, have you anything to say before we wrap up, Paul? Uh, no, 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 no. In addition to that, just uh, again, thanks to everybody who does listen to us because obviously, if there was nobody listening, there'd be no point in doing it. Are you having he- a hair weave? Am I having a, what right now, or am I going to get well, one? Well, it looks like you're in the process of one. No, uh, I am not. Just uh, hair's floppy. Like what hair I've got left? By the way, talking about my hair mm-hmm. in the game yesterday, the boy, the boy standing behind me was standing up, and I, I sat down for a bit, and he was eating a pie. Mm-hmm. And I just I, I clapped a uh, move and my fucking had gravy over my hands. <laughs> the boy had been dripping gravy and it was all in my hair. 
and all in my hands. It was dripping the underside of his pie, and I never noticed. So, um, there, there you go, and, I could, and I've not got enough here to, to clean it vigorously, just fall out. So, there you go, folks. What goes around comes around. You slag off the pie, and it ends up all over your head. With that in mind, I'm going to send this one out to all the Celtic supporters for Thursday to Sunday. Just remember, keep the faith and remember this.